And you have found yet another episode of Front Porch Anarchast. My attempt at spreading the seeds of liberty and freedom one podcast at a time. A podcast that's probably best suited for those of you who are having an internal struggle trying to figure out how an authoritarian government can rule over a supposedly free people. Front Porch Anarchist. Freedom starts on your own front porch. And the podcast starts now. Tonight I've got quite a bit to talk about. I've probably got a lot more to talk about than anybody uh, cares to hear. And I'm beginning to think I have not much that anybody wants to hear. I do appreciate the the few people who have listened, gave some feedback, so that's uh, that's pretty cool. But it's been it's been quite a while now since uh, since the last last episode. But um, I'm hoping tonight to talk a little bit about maybe rights and where they come from. And or uh, patriotism and the um, the mindset of America, love it or leave it. Now, like I said, I have been pretty busy. The um, I've, I've been I've got a little side gig. I have a full time job. I wouldn't call it a regular job by any means. I mean, I get a regular check, but. I work a very weird schedule, always have, and do some pretty weird stuff at my uh, at my job. So that keeps me busy uh, with the with the commute. That keeps me busy about 50, 55 hours a week, probably. That's counting the commute. And since the my days off each week are always different. It's you know that's pretty tough. And then I do have a side gig, uh, as I mentioned, and it's uh, just a um, just trying to get it off the ground. And we call it Gray Uncommons. That's Gray with an A. Uncommons. You can find it on Facebook. Actually, I think if you put it in Google, it's probably going to be the first thing that pops up. It will be the Facebook page. If not the first, it's one one of the first. But what it is, it's just it's kind of a creative outlet for me to um, to make some decals, make some T-shirts. Really, I like to um, I like I guess specialize would be the right word. I specialize in just kind of one-offs. That would be the biggest. Um, I think that would be the big, the biggest advantage of using my services I don't I don't charge a setup fee um, for the decals or for the t-shirts now that being said I can do I cut these so it has to be something that can be cut out of vinyl for either the decals or the or the t-shirts so if you need something that's photograph quality if you want to put a photograph on a shirt I'm not gonna be your man for that I'll tell you up front I can do some screen printing if um, if there's a large quantity, but yeah, it would have to be a pretty large quantity to get me to do the screen printing because it's really messy. So yeah, the things I can do best since they're since they're cut is one maybe two colors, 
I've done as much as four, I think. Uh, but that's pretty, that's stretching it there. Um, anything, anything more elaborate than that, you're going to be better off getting someone local to you to do that. But, you know, if you got a great idea for a t-shirt and it's not copyrighted, not that I agree with copyrights, I just don't want to catch some kind of copyright charge and have federal agents knocking on my door. Uh, but if you can get me a get me a design that breaks down pretty well to two colors, three colors, then I uh, might be able to hook you up with a deal. Shipping's always a real bummer, but uh, we try to source locally so that so that we don't take a, a hit on the shipping charge up front, and that way. Um, the only shipping charge is is out to you, and I I try to charge just the um, just the actual charges. I figure that in with the price of the shirt, and where other people are charging like twenty eight dollars a shirt, um, my my goal is always to get it down below twenty dollars or or twenty dollars, and a lot of that depends on the um, the pricing of the T-shirt. If it's a specialty T-shirt that uh, that the person wants. That's going to drive the price up and may go up past $20. All right, so enough of that. If you want a t-shirt or a decal, check out Gray Uncommons. You can send me a an email at frontporchanarchast at gmail.com or you can send a, send a message to Front Porch Anarchist on Facebook. All right, so, um, so tonight, rights. I've been discussing that with people recently in real life and online Facebook mostly I think a little bit of me we <coughs> maybe a little bit on me we and rights are an intriguing to me they're very intriguing because they're intangible and nobody can really define to my satisfaction, what a right is. We could talk about the origins of rights, but you know I think that's going to be longer than a 30-minute conversation. So first of all, let's try to kind of define rights, and then maybe, maybe in the future I'll talk about where I think rights come from. But I think we can all agree rights are intangible. You can't find one under a rock or look at one through a microscope. I don't think you can. I'd be willing to hear an argument about that. I think we could all agree that rights are a concept. So a right is a concept. Right? Can't touch them, can't see them, can't feel them. They're, they supposedly exist, so if they do exist, really the only place they exist is in our minds. I can't think of, I mean, sure, you could write down on a piece of paper what you think constitutes a right, like what you think is actually a right, like a right to life. You could put it down on paper. That doesn't really make it any more real because you're still just saying that people have a right to life. So I don't think that writing it down makes it tangible. 
And again, I could be wrong. I'm willing to debate it because it's a, to me, it's a very intriguing concept. So, so I think the only thing we have to explain what a right is is also in our heads. Um, see, it just it it just makes it so tricky to me. Uh, I know a lot of people they when they think about rights, they just they just act like. Well, yeah, it's a, a right's a right, and everybody should know that. But since since their concepts, rights seem to change from person to person, or at least from group to group. For instance, everyone in the U.S., most people in the U.S., would say that you have a right to speak freely. So, so I have that right. But if I go to someplace else, maybe to China, maybe I don't have that right. Now, I'm not really sure how that can happen. What is a right here should be a right anywhere if a right is a right. And I've had some people to tell me that a right can't be taken away from a person, but it can be stolen. Like, it can't legitimately be taken from a person. It can only be stolen from a person. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the majority of people in China, uh, I'm not even going to go down that road, but... Yeah... I'm not even going to go down that road, but uh, a right is a right. Oh, and how can it be taken from you? So in China, I may not have the right to speak my mind, speak the truth. And here I do. All right, so is it really a right if it can be taken from me? And then I'm going to have the people, and I know I'm repeating myself here, but I have the people who say, well, the Chinese government is just stealing that from the people. Okay, well, let's get a little more closer to home here. I'm not talking about, you know, do I have the right to yell fire in a crowded uh, in a crowded theater? You know, personally, I would argue, yes, I have the right to yell fire in a um, in a crowded theater. Now, if somebody gets hurt because of that, and there was no real fire, then yeah, you know what? I'm responsible for whoever whoever was hurt, right? I have to take responsibility for that. So I'm of the opinion that a right is a right as long as the um, as long as the group agrees to it being a right. Because you know, you go over to China, say something about the government, you may find yourself locked up. And uh, even though it was a right, somehow or another you ended up locked up. But that's China. Let's bring it a little closer to home. I've already talked about the First Amendment. So the Second Amendment, the right to keep and bear arms. All right. I'm not a rocket surgeon, but 
I mean, I can read the English language, right? It's pretty simple to me. Shall not be infringed. The right to keep and bear arms. All right, you put it all together. I've got the right to have a gun. Doesn't say when, doesn't say where, right? I just, or it doesn't limit me to when or where. It just says I have the right to keep it and to bear it. All right, if I want to keep it in my waistband at the courthouse, I should be able to have it in my waistband at the courthouse. Right? The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And I realize that the, uh, that the U.S. Constitution and the amendments thereof, you know, those are designed to limit government from taking my rights. And I guess it's probably been perverted along the way to ensure that government keeps other people from violating my rights. But, but let's go back to the example of a gun in my waistband in a courthouse. Government doesn't allow that. They're going to set up a metal detector at the door in most courthouses. Well, in the ones I've been at, and it's, those are numerous. To keep me from keeping and bearing arms. And it's written right there in the supreme government document of the U.S. that they can't do that. And yet they do it. So how how are they able to take my right from me? A couple of constitutional purists want to blame me because I don't go ahead and carry the gun in there. Or better yet, they blame me because I don't vote the people out who, who would take the guns from me. You know, I'm not sure they understand how reality works, but I'm one man. I don't believe in voting, but even if I did, my vote is not going to change that. I cannot vote myself into being able to carry a gun into a courthouse. It's just not going to happen. No matter how hard I vote, I don't get to keep my right. You could take it a step further than that. Even, the, uh, even most constitutional purists that I have spoken to and have corresponded with believe that a uh, person who has been convicted of a felony has given up their right to keep and bear arms. And that one just leaves me puzzled every time because if a right is a right, can it really be given away? Could I just give it up? I think I could. I think I could do it on a temporary basis, I think it would be just as temporary as I want it to be. Like, I may say, okay, well, you know what, I give up this right. And three minutes later, I may... I may decide that, hey, I want that right back. And, you know, or I rescind my giving up of my rights. So when a felon has their right to keep and bear arms taken from them without their consent, how is that legitimate? How is that, how is that right? It makes 
it makes no sense to me. A, one single person can't take my right from me. Two people can't take that right from me. Like, they can't just dissolve the right and make it go away, right? From what I'm being told, the only way they can take my right from me is to take my right from me and, and do it illegitimately. So in the case of the felon, even the hardcore constitutionalists say, oh, well, the guy gave his rights up when he committed the crime. How? I mean, no. Okay, so he, so let's say he so he got, he was caught selling a pound of weed. I'm not even sure. Is that a felony? I don't even know, but Say he, he was caught selling a pound of weed and he had a gun in his possession. I'm pretty sure that's a I'm pretty sure that's gonna be a felony, right? He gets he gets convicted of that, goes to jail, prison for maybe six years. Gets out but he still can't carry a gun because some group of people are of the opinion that he gave his rights up. I'm pretty sure if you talk to the guy, he would say, no, man, I didn't give them up. It's just that government's going to stick me back in a cage if they catch me with a gun again. Who gave these people the authority to take away rights? To take away a person's rights? Nobody did. So I think if you if you add all of this up, rights are concepts that vary from one group of people to another. I just don't see any way around that. And it really gets tricky when you start talking about where rights come from. But again, I think that would be a topic best suited for another day. I'm already growing growing bored of that one, and I'm pretty sure I've lost everybody, but um, maybe I should just go ahead and switch to a different topic. And while I was driving home, my long commute this afternoon, or very early this morning, um, I was thinking, thinking about topics I could talk about on the podcast, and and the idea popped into my head, America, love it or leave it. Actually, when I was thinking about it, I threw the word patriotism at the front of it. So patriotism in America, love it or leave it. So kind of a play on words there. Could go a couple of different ways. Might even write a, um, a blog about it. Some sort of essay. If you can't tell, I don't really have the voice for podcasting. I don't have the face for, like, videos. But I do write pretty well, so so look for that at some point. I think I have put some essays on the front porch. The Front Porch Anarchist Facebook page. And I think I've done a lot of writing on the uh, on the Gray Homestead webpage, and that's just thegrayhomestead.com. 
gray with an A, of course. Haven't posted anything there in a long time as far as essays. Um, check that out, though. I lived off-grid for a couple of years and, and um, kind of have some insights to that kind of free living. A lot of people would like to see us as a society go back to that and I think a lot of people would probably die a lot of other people would go crazy a lot of people would get just angry and probably kill other people it would be it'd be kind of tough for a while until everybody calmed back down but a very peaceful way of life and really makes you appreciate like electricity and such but I think there's a I think there's a fine line between you know, living in a skyscraper and living in the woods with no electricity and rattlesnakes and, you know, bears and coyotes, that kind of thing. But anyway, I'm digressing away from the topic of patriotism in America. Love it or leave it. And in the last, this is July, and at the beginning of July, of course, we had the big Fourth of Ju July celebrations, and Donald Trump was uh, bringing tanks onto the square in in um, Washington for a show of military might and uh, all of that pomp and circumstance, and and then things started spiraling down, and we have a crisis at the border, and. These people are coming in without getting permission, and they're taking these jobs of cutting up, well, of killing and cutting up dead chickens that all these Americans don't want. Whatever, dude. Um, and they're committed. They're the only ones committing crimes. These un, these illegal aliens are the only people in the U.S that are um, committing crimes. I actually had one guy on social media, Facebook, to tell me that I would, you know, if I weren't so tired, I would just, I would try to do it in my best Southern accent, but hillbilly accent at that. But he, I mean, he actually told me that if they could seal the border off, that all of these murders and rapes would stop within a generation or two. Dude, I don't know what planet that guy is living on, but as I told him, where I'm living, it's not the illegal immigrants that's who are causing the problem. I'm not saying there aren't some illegal immigrants that are doing some bad things, but I'm saying 90%, well, since it's 90% white in the place I live, and I mean, there's like 160,000 people here, and it's 90% white, the biggest, the and I mean, you can look through the mug shots, you can look through the arrest records, the majority of the crime is being committed by white people. That's just, that's a fact of life. And the majority of the rest of that 10% is probably being caused by black people, and then you have a few Asians and a few Hispanics scattered in here and there. So I don't know how he thinks that, you know, sealing off the border is going to keep um, Billy Bob up here from uh, raping his sister or whatever. It's, 
it, that's that's not going to stop just because you put a 100 foot tall wall at the border. And while we're on the topic of the border and illegal immigrants, you know, my suggestion was if you don't want, if you also, I got into it with another couple of people, and I mean, it turns out that they were just straight up racist. And I'm not talking about just because, um, just because they want a wall built. I mean, the first thing they wanted to talk about, the first reason that they cited to keep people out was because those people don't pay taxes. And then when I explained to them that, hey, you know what? I really don't pay taxes either. Even legitimately, like with my day job, you know, they withhold taxes. At the end of the year, I get all those taxes back and I get more. Um, I'm not afraid to take it because the uh, the amount of taxes that I pay throughout the year that don't come from like federal and state income taxes. I mean, I'm paying, I pay rent. Um, actually, I, I pay actual rent to a landlord and, you know, part of the Part of my rent payment goes to pay the taxes on this place. I do have a place in Arkansas, and I pay, I pay property taxes on that as well. But in between property taxes and federal income taxes, there's probably, what, 30 other kinds of taxes that I have to pay, sales tax being a big chunk of money. I have to buy car tags. I have to buy a driver's license. Even my dogs are supposed to be licensed. So, yeah, I'm not afraid to take that money that they give me that they give me at the end of the year. On top of what they took from me, it's a it's such a crazy system. But okay, so once I call out that the guy, he changes the goalpost, and then he's um, they're taking our jobs. And you know when I say hey, you know instead of trying to fight to get a wall built, it's not going to solve all the problems that you want it to solve maybe you should just get government out of the business get them get them out of um, being between the employer and the employee I should be able to to contract with anyone I want to either either in either contract with them to have them do a job for me or I should be able to contract with them to do a job for them. And we should be able to exchange whatever we want to on whatever terms that we want to for whatever task that we want performed. And you know what? If you were to if you were just to say, okay, government is no longer going to be involved with setting a minimum wage, it's no longer going to be involved with mandating workers' comp insurance. It's not going to, uh, government's not going to mandate that employers and employees have to pay into some social welfare uh, pension program that, that doesn't even pay out if the uh, person who's paid into it all their life dies before they're able to uh, be reimbursed for all of the money that they put into it. Let's get government out of that. Let's get government out of setting um, mandatory all the mandatory insurances, all the mandatory licensing, certifications, whatever. Um, 
just get government out of that. Let's just level the playing field. If you're worried that illegal immigrants are taking your job because American employers can pay them less, just level the field. Make it so that employers can can pay anybody what they want to pay and workers can accept work for whatever amount of pay they agree to with the uh, with a potential employer. Seems like that'd be a whole lot easier. They could accomplish that with just a couple of strokes of a pen. They wouldn't even have to build a wall because, yeah, you know, I've missed the whole... Um, Missed the whole thing about um, one of the reasons given is that uh, against illegal immigration is because that these illegal immigrants come over here and get all of these government benefits. You know what? If you're not paying the government taxes, there's no benefit money to give, right? So now you've killed like three birds, one stone. You've leveled the playing field for the employers and employees. Uh, the legal citizens or whatever you want to call um, they've had it they've had the playing field leveled for them so that now they can compete with the so-called illegals um, so maybe not as many illegals come over here for that for the jobs you uh, you make it so they can't get benefits because there are no benefits. So I bring all of this up, and then the goal posts um, get changed again, and that's when it just moved more or less into racism, and I just gave up with that when I wanted to start talking about how illegal immigrants are the cause of all the crime in the U.S. Um, kind of called that out, and when I did, then, uh, then the conversation moved and uh, I'm not trying to be funny here or anything, but it kind of became much darker and talking about how 80% 80, 80 of the crime is caused by 20% of the population. Can you guess what population that is? And, and you know, uh, one of the things that was cited was, um, was a, a group of Somalis. It was like 7,000 Somalis moved into one town in of all places, um, New Hampshire, I think. It was up in the, or maybe it was in Maine. It was in Maine. Bridgeport, Maine, maybe. Anyway, so a group of 7,000 Somalis descended upon this this little town, and their crime skyrocketed. And and these people that, that were citing this and were discussing this with me said that they were afraid that they would, um, that unchecked borders would just... Um, Got exactly how they put it, but it would destroy. Basically, it would take away. Um, it would destroy the culture, and I mean, it was just thinly veiled that you know, okay, you have a bunch of foreigners. Actually, they said foreigners a couple of times. You have a bunch of foreigners come in, and it's going to change the culture. All right, seven thousand of anybody moves into a little town in Maine. That culture is getting changed. I mean, you can move 7,000 people in from Atlanta, or you can move 7,000 people in from Houston. You can move 7,000 people in from Ontario, Canada, 
and you're going to change the culture of that town, right? It has nothing to do with with the particular group of 7,000 people. It's just going to do it, just sheer numbers, and it's going to change the culture. There's nothing you could do about that. So what are you going to do? Are you going to limit people from moving within the U.S.? I don't think so, right? And even when I asked that question, even the people I was corresponding with uh, said, no, wouldn't do that because they pay t- because those people pay taxes, right? That's when I reminded them that I don't pay taxes. What are they going to do, keep me from moving? And yeah, I don't think I received a response for that one. But and I would have I would have challenged that person had they responded uh, any differently. I would have challenged them to show me how much they pay in federal taxes, which was the which was the metric they were using federal taxes. Have I beat this one to death yet? I've been droning on so long about it. I don't even know. Uh, I don't even remember really where I was at with that. But oh, patriotism and in America, love it or leave it. Um, so the Fourth of July came along. Then we had some kind of we had some kind of discussions about this. And then um, there's a group of women of. Um, I don't know what they want to call themselves anymore. I think the most recent politically correct term is person of color. So anyway, these four people in the U.S. Congress or House of Representatives, whatever you want to call it, House of Representatives or the Senate. Yeah, whatever. I don't remember where they are. But anyway, it's the federal government. These people are supposed to be lawmakers. And uh, four women... They're all descendants of people who came recently from other countries, I guess. And uh, they've been bad-mouthing the, um, the government, America. And uh, the, uh, the current head of the U.S. government has had enough. He called them out, told them that if they didn't like it, they could go back to where they came from. You know, never mind that, or go back where they belong or something. I, I don't remember exactly how he worded it, but, you know, I could see where I could see where some people would want to jump immediately to it being a racist statement, but at the same time, dude wasn't saying anything about the color of their skin. He wasn't saying anything about the way that they speak. I mean, he was just, well, I mean, he was just being true to his base, the people who elected him. Any one of those people will tell you that, you know, if you don't like America, you can leave. You can just go back to where you came from. And uh, he really struck a chord with those people because, I mean, they're just, they're eating it up. Meanwhile, um, the response from the government is that they spent tens of thousands of uh, U.S. Tax victim money to come together for a vote so that they could all vote to condemn what Donald Trump said. Colossal waste of time and resources. And you know, I one of the reasons why I think it's so funny is because you know, since I was in my 
30s, I guess. I've been told, you know, I, well, in all of my life, I've heard the expression, you know, if you don't like it, you can just leave. Go to Somalia. Well, you know what? Somalia Somalia wouldn't have as many problems as it as it does if uh, if all the other countries could get out of the way and let the Somalis get together and do what they need to do. At least from the last reports that I've seen from Somalia. And, you know, I'm sure that the U.S. government had some, played some pivotal role in destabilizing that whole place. But, yeah, I get told that, you know, if I don't like it, I should just leave. But, you know, at the same time, the people in Mexico or Guatemala or El Salvador or wherever, they're just leaving their countries that they didn't like, right? And they're trying to get here. And, and those um, those statists and those authoritarians, they don't like that either. So I do get told a lot that I should, if I don't like laws, if I don't like the laws or the current government, that I should vote the people out. Or better yet, I should run for myself, join the empire, and change it from within. I even had a uh, conversation with my significant other just a couple nights ago about changing the uh, organization from within. And, and I'm firmly of the belief that that the uh, current organization that, um, that claims jurisdiction over my life, uh, it, it's not going to be cha changed from within. I'm certainly not advocating some kind of armed revolution, but something has to give, and I could see where a um, a truly peaceful revolution could um, could change the course and change it for the better. In fact, I think it's happening. It's probably happening more than anyone realizes at this point, and. Um, Things like, and, and I know that they're still petitioning the state for this, so is it really a freedom, but like the pot laws are being relaxed. Uh, the state that I live in now, the state that I reside in sometimes, Arkansas, and about 14 other states, they've decriminalized carrying a weapon without a permit, so you can do that in many places in those states. Um, yeah, I can't think of other things right off the top of my head that are just, you know, going, uh, becoming less authoritarian. At the same time, I see a lot of business practice, a lot of business policies or business laws that make it tougher for people to, um, to act on their own behalf and not have to uh, petition the state for a license or, or such. Uh, some recent victories about um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, repealing some laws that would require people to have a, um, a cosmetology degree to braid hair for money. I see where some of that's happening. So, you know, some things are getting a little more free, some things are getting a lot worse. Uh, the uh, local government in the city I work in, um, they just recently, like within this week, passed a, uh, a city ordinance that prohibits people under 21 from buying cigarettes or vape. 
to vape or would you say vapor products or whatever anyway now never mind that you know there are many cities that that border this the the main city and some of those share boundaries they share the city limits so i mean you could just really with a five minute drive an 18 year old could go from one could go from a place where he can't buy to a place that he could so uh, you know and this was like a group i think there's like nine people on the city council maybe seven i think it's nine though nine people just unilaterally signed a piece of paper and all of a sudden 21 year old or you have to be 21 years old to buy an otherwise legal product those nine people think that they know better than the other 160,000 people individual people i don't mean as a group i mean yeah i think smoking is a horrible idea you know i watched my dad die of lung cancer i think it's a horrible idea i've known from the from the time i can remember that i'd never smoke a cigarette because they were just so nasty and um so far so good i have not felt the need to smoke a cigarette but you know it really wouldn't matter to me if a group of nine people told me that, you know, I can't smoke it, I'd, if I wanted to smoke it, I'm going to smoke it. I'm probably the most uh, defiant person you'll ever run across when it comes to people with um, who claim to be an authority telling me what to do. So, I'm not looking to leave it anytime soon. But I still don't like it. Um, and when I say I don't like it, I mean I don't like the the government. I don't like the way that a group of people in suits a couple of thousand miles away or a thousand miles away, whatever, are telling me how I'm going to live my life. They have no idea what I need. Um, they're like they're the people that are least suited to run my life. The people in my family and the people in the immediate community are much more important to me and they're probably more they're better suited to guide my behavior than um, than these guys in suits. The guys in suits, the best they can do is put me in a cage if I don't behave the way they want to. My neighbor, you know, my neighbor can like totally cut me off, be um, totally ostracize me. Probably talk to his neighbor. His neighbor talks to his neighbor. Next thing I know, you know, I'm groveling. Uh, trying to get you know help from somebody or just some social interaction with people and um, you know I'm a pretty stand-up guy try to help out people when I can and and people are always um, always seem to be eager enough to help me out within reason and I have no desire to change that at all in fact I'm trying to bolster that um, we have a garden that has totally overtaken our yard <laughs> Uh, I'm looking at a pumpkin plant right now that's, oh my god, that thing's probably 20 feet long in one direction. Um, from where I'm sitting right now, I can see something probably, there's at least 25 tomato plants there. 15 sunflowers, there's beans growing up the fence, peppers, and... Um, Jennifer works really hard on this, and she puts the food out on the front porch. Big sign, free food. 
she puts a donation jar out there because I mean, you know, this does cost us money to do. And, and you know what? People from the neighborhood, they've been stopping by. They'll get some stuff, drop a couple bucks in the, in that. I mean, we're never going to get rich off of it. We're never even going to recoup the, uh, the materials that we put into it, much less the amount of time that goes into it. But, but you know, Hey, we're trying, um, we live in a good spot, so a lot of people, you know, see us, they wave and stuff. And, you know, I wouldn't want to mess that up. Why would I want to, you know, why would I want to do anything except make those relationships better? So, uh, no, I'm not going to leave. And I, and I don't like the fact that somebody a thousand miles away makes policies that decide figuratively how tall my lawn can be or when somebody can shoot my dog yeah never gonna like that part all right well my voice is shot i've had a long day work was pretty tough it was crazy it just gets crazier by the day but um so um i guess i'll sign off for tonight hopefully it won't be another three weeks before the uh, the next podcast and really would like to uh, talk some about the origins of rights when my voice is in a little better shape and I'm not so hungry and it's not so hot. My God, it's hot. Um, and I'm still waiting for a little bit of information to come out about that, uh, that authoritarian politician in Arkansas who was killed going on two months ago now. Still only one arrest, still a gag order in, in place as far as I can tell. Still a bunch of crazy people talking about conspiracy theories, and uh, none of it seems none of those conspiracy theories look like they're going to pan out. So, all right. If uh, if you need a decal, window decal, decal to go on your stainless steel coffee mug or your painted mug, I guess it'd work on a painted mug too. Um, or if you need a T-shirt, even a sign. Like a banner. Actually, I just did a small sign too. Uh, if you need any of that, check out the uh, Facebook page, Gray Uncommons. I bet we can work something out. And until the next podcast, just remember that freedom starts on your own front porch. So don't let it die there, guys. Take it with you. Take it out into the free world and spread the uh, ideas of liberty with uh, everyone else. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this broadcast of the Front Porch Anarchist. Like and share our page or send us a message at Front Porch Anarchist on Facebook. No masters.
Teeny Snow Masters. Front Paul Channelcast.